If you'll grab your uh, Bible in just a few minutes, uh, I'm going to be sharing the last message in the blessed life. But as you're doing that, I want to highlight uh, a couple things. One is we have our life group guides uh, that are available in the foyer. If we have your email information, you were emailed one this week. If you didn't get one, it either means it got spammed or we don't have your email address. If you want to give it to us, uh, you can go out to the Welcome Center or go online and, and give that information to us and uh, you'll get updates like these. So we have our uh, fall life group guide that is ready. So today marks the day where we kind of roll out uh, all of the life groups and invite you to sign up for a group if you're not in one. And let me tell you something very, very, very exciting. Today is a, is a really huge historic day because we have 13 new life groups that have never existed before, the highest number of new groups we've ever offered anywhere. So I want you to give those 13 leaders who've stepped up and said, I'll do, I want you to give them a big, giant hand and let them know how much you appreciate their ministry and what they're doing. Super, super awesome. So that's what all of the uh, sign-up in the four years about. When you leave today, if you're not connected to a group yet, I'd love for you to go by. All of our leaders will be there uh, so you can meet them, ask them questions about their group, when it meets, all of that. And I guarantee you there's a group here, uh, upwards close to 40 groups that we're offering this semester, and I know there's one that, that you'll fit in well. So if you'll uh, check those guys out on your way out. And then our ushers are coming now, and they're handing out to you um, this postcard that we've made just as an invitation. And I just want you to, I just want you to take it and, uh, and hold on to it because at the end of the service we'll look at it again. But uh, just hand every, everybody one out. Make sure everybody's got one. Because at the end of the service, we're going to be using it. So if you'll make sure everybody's got one. Uh, this is a postcard, an invitation to our picnic that's happening in two weeks. Huge, huge opportunity. Uh, and I, I'm going to share a little bit more with you about it. But let me say this uh, before we get to the end of the service. Uh, you can go online at kingwoodchurch.com and the scrolling banner, one of them is the picnic. If you want to grab this graphic, I, I invite you to grab this graphic and post it on Facebook as an invitation to all the people that you are friends with already. It's a great way to invite people to come. So you can, you can use that graphic on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, however you want to use it, but we have it there. Also, um, we are uh, inviting you to serve, to be part of the picnic. So we have three different teams that will be uh, running the picnic, and uh, we still need some help on uh, one of those teams. And so if you'll go online to the um, picnic graphic, the banner, push that, it'll show you some ways you can serve or you can sign up today uh, in the foyer. So please join us for that event. Uh, it's going to be a, a super fun time and a, a, a day of high impact. So I want to ask you to join us for that. All right, uh, this morning I was thinking about uh, when, when I was looking at the, how this series would end. You know, I was thinking about uh, all the things that we see on Facebook. I don't know if you know this or not, but I think it was this week that Facebook, for the first time in history, uh, had one million users, uh, I'm sorry, one billion users in the same day. The first time, one billion, one-seventh of everybody on earth was on Facebook on the same day. I, like, I'm impressed. I don't know if you are. Like, I'm like, Wow can't get one billion people to do anything, but maybe eat and sleep and basic things. One billion people. On, but, so it made me think, uh, anywhere you get that many people together, like some really dumb stuff's bound to happen, right? 
And so I was thinking, I wonder what like the ten worst things ever posted on Facebook are. So, so I looked them up. So uh, l- let, me, let me share them with you this morning. The ten worst things ever posted on Facebook. Here, here's the first one. Does anyone know if the air from a fan can blow away the particles from wireless signal having trouble in my room? Got to be honest, I never thought about a solution to my internet problems could come in the form of a box fan. Never crossed my mind. Number two, how do people know what roads to take before Google Maps? Three, there is no I in happiness. Not when you spell it like that. Four, did anyone else used to think Alaska was an island? You know, because it breaks it out on the map. Never mind. It took me ten minutes to remember how to spell water bottle. Maybe you needed fifteen. Titanic must be fake. How could someone record it because everyone was like dead and drowning? Couldn't have been true. Couldn't have happened. Nobody could have filmed that. I'm not a taxi service. If you want a lift, I expect money. Here's the comment. That would make you a taxi service. Right? Wow. Never tell your problems to everyone. 20% don't care and the other 85% are glad you have them. Not sure how you came up with 5% more people. What if 420 was on Friday the 13th? Think about it. Let me say it a different way. What if April 20th was on Friday the 13th? It'd be crazy. It'd be crazy. Lost my phone at Blatfield. If anyone is out there and happens to find it, call or text me, please. How, how are you going to get the text? <laughs> you don't have your phone. What about, what about when you look on Facebook and you see this was really popular, particularly last year, uh, feeling blessed. Blessed by the best. Hashtag, so blessed. And it usually comes with something like, this new car is such a blessing. Or I finally closed on our dream home, feeling blessed. Or just got back from a missions trip, realizing how blessed we are here in this country. Or my all-time favorite, personally, just because I'm a survivor of Hurricane Katrina... Feeling blessed the hurricane missed us, praying for those who lost everything. Wow. Last year, the feeling blessed hashtag set off a firestorm of conversation that reached all the way to the New York Times. I'm not sure if that's up or down, but it reached it. And a critic writing in the New York Times said this, The go-to term for those who want to boast about an accomplishment while pretending to be humble fish for a compliment, acknowledge a success without sounding too conceited or purposefully elicit envy is hashtag so blessed. The hashtag also took some criticism from the Christian community. Scott Dane Miller, who calls himself the accidental missionary, wrote this. Calling myself blessed because of the material good fortune, because of material good fortune, is just plain wrong. For starters, it can be offensive to the hundreds of millions of Christians in the world who live on less than $10 per day. Now that brings up a really powerful question. Is it wrong to call material things a blessing? 
Now, that's, that's an interesting question. Is it wrong to call material things a blessing? Now, here's, if you're taking notes, you want to write something down, I'd love for you to write this thought down because it is a, it is a powerful and guiding thought. The problem comes in when we look at God's blessing and we draw conclusions about ourselves because of it. L- let me explain that. In other words, when we look at the blessings of God on our life, we look at the material blessings on our life, and we interpret it as a sign of God's love for us. See, that's problematic. That's, that's risky theology. Because what does it then say about those people who don't have the same material blessings as you or I have? Does it mean that God loves them less? Is it a sign... If material blessings is a sign of God's love for you, then lack of material blessings must be a sign of a lack of God's love for someone else. Or we think we're blessed. The other interpretation is we think we're blessed because we're good Christians. We've earned these blessings. We, we, we cannot embrace that kind of theology. Because if being a good Christian equals being materially blessed, then that must mean all the Christians in the world that are struggling are in sin. Or are disobedient, or are failing, or are weak, or are shallow. We do not want to embrace that kind of theology. Uh, Jesus uh, uh, confronted that kind of theology. And, And in the Old Testament we said, remember when Job lost everything, the storms came and the disease came and some of his family died and his three friends gathered around him and said, you need to repent. This kind of bad stuff only happens to people that are walking away from God. You must be failing God somewhere. You must have secret sin nobody knows about or you wouldn't struggle like this. And Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then Jesus confronted in the New Testament, there's a a man that was born blind. And remember, the Pharisees gathered around and said, Jesus, answer this question. Is this man blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus said, neither one. Neither one. But this moment has come so that God might glorify himself. And he healed him and opened his eyes. This blindness isn't this man's fault. So if you embrace that theology that the blessings of God say something about either His love for you or your goodness to Him, you can see how that would fall apart when you test it in the bright daylight. So in this series, let me just retrace our steps a minute. There's some important underpinnings that we've said that if you missed one of them or if you're a guest today and you haven't caught any of them, it helps to understand sort of the flow of thought. Here's what we've basically said in this series, The Blessed Life. Everyone's life would be better if Jesus were at the center of it. Like that's one of our convictional thoughts. Jesus wants to be first place in your life. Jesus did not die, come to earth, die, sacrifice himself, rise from the dead in order to be fifth on our top ten list. He came to be first. Surrender is not when we give God something, it's when we give God everything. Last week we said we can only break the spirit of mammon, the love of money, the love of material things off our life by putting Jesus first in our finances. And if you're a guest today, I want to be specific about this because I am going to mention giving several times. I want you to know six years that I've pastored here, this is the only series I've ever taught on giving. 
So if this is your first impression of our church, I don't want you to think, if I come every week, we're going to talk about money every week. We're not going to talk about money every week. Matter of fact, this is the last week. And then, and then we're going to have a, another series that will begin. So what does it mean to be blessed? If you've got something to write with, take, t- I want to encourage you to take down a few thoughts. The word blessed occurs 7,000 times in the Bible. Now I want you to relax. We're only going to cover 6,000 of them this morning. It's going to be very light. Very easy. But what does it mean to be blessed? Let me give you five things this morning, five of those, that help us understand what it means to live a blessed life. For four weeks we've talked about the blessed life. But let's kind of define it as we wrap up this morning. Here's the first one. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, circle this little phrase, in the heavenly realms. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You see how many times the word blessing appears? Actually, the word praise, the first word, a good translation of that word is bless. Blessed be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The, the interesting phrase there, heavenly realm, instead of telling you what it means, let me tell you when it means. Because uh, I've heard some commentators and I've read some people who translate this to mean you've been blessed with every, every spiritual blessing in Christ when you get to heaven. I don't agree with that interpretation of that verse at all. I don't think this is about a what does it mean. I think this is about when does it mean. And it, it means right now. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ now. Heavenly realm is not a location, it's a reality. It is a dimension. The reality that we detect with our five senses is not all that there is in the universe. There's a larger reality, an invisible reality. We can't see it, so we have a hard time sometimes finding it or being aware that it's there. But it includes, but is not limited to the physical realm, but it is the heavenly realm realm, the heavenly reality. In this larger reality, Christ has already been exalted as Lord. In that heavenly reality, He already rules perfectly. And we as believers, as joint heirs in Christ, we share in that, in that victory. And in, and, in, and in this realm, uh, uh, the heavenly realm, darkness is rejected and darkness is defeated and darkness is opposed and in the heavenly realm, God reveals His wisdom and He reveals His glory perfectly. Now, the only problem with that is you and I live here. <laughs> we live on earth. And in the earthly reality, Jesus is not in charge. Do you, really, do you really watch the news? Can you really look out the window and think that this is the way Jesus wants it to be? This isn't the way Jesus wants it to be. So Jesus isn't in charge here on earth, and he's not going to get his way most of the time. And, but, but the good news is you and I are also not from here. Our home is not here. Our life is not here. Our identity is not from here. Our identity comes from a larger reality called the heavenly realm. That's why Jesus, when his disciples said, teach us how to pray, said, I'll tell you exactly how to pray. I want you to pray this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Bring the heavenly realm here. Bring the way things work there here and bring it here now. Not some future reality, but the present reality. So you and I are blessed. So what does that mean to you and I in our day? What does it mean on Monday morning? What does it mean when the bad news comes? Here's what it means. Go ahead and pile all the bad news on top of the bad news you want. My life comes from a larger reality where different conclusions have already been reached and Jesus is already in charge and where I am blessed no matter what you or anybody else has to say about it. I want you to get your heart on this this morning. This reality will never change Jesus' reality, but Jesus' reality one day is going to change this reality. It will bend and it will bow and it will change. So why don't you go ahead and live out of the reality that's coming? Why don't you go ahead and live? Because it's accessible to you and I. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to be blessed. I'm blessed right now. I have Christ's reality living in me now. Paul said, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And, and one of the phrases I love here is he says, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I love that phrase. There aren't any more. He already gave them all. Every one of them. He emptied the shelf. He emptied the storeroom. There are no more spiritual blessings that God has to give, He already poured out in Christ every one of them. As a son of God and a daughter of God, you have every spiritual blessing now. They're all yours. Now that's good news. Because our culture is resistant to Christianity and it will try to sow rejection into your spirit and into your soul. It will try to sow rejection and cursing and dysfunction and brokenness into you. But when it does, you have to know who you are in Jesus. And Jesus says, you are blessed. What do you do? You stand and say, I will not be cursed. I will not be rejected. I will not be broken. I will not be uh, broken by this thing. I am blessed. So hashtag that. It's pretty good. All right, here's the second thing that we see in Scripture about the blessing. You are blessed when you realize how much you need God. Like realizing your need for God to live in a, in a state of awareness where you realize you're in tune with how much you need God. The Bible's going to call that a blessing. I mean, let's be honest. There, there are moments, there are hours, there are days, there are times where we just aren't aware that we need Him. And as we grow in that awareness, the Bible will say that's blessed. Here's where I find that. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 3-11. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So, so poor in spirit means those people who who need, who know they need God's presence, grace, and life. 
mourn. Those who grieve over their own sin and the sin of the world. Jesus says, if, if you do that, you're blessed. The meek, those who live in humility and surrender to God, are blessed. Those who are hunger and thirst to pursue God and His ways, they are blessed. Merciful, those who are full of compassion for people who are suffering, are blessed. Pure in heart, those who put God first and please Him are blessed. Peacemakers, those who strive to bring peace between God and non-Christians. Those who try to find reconciliation between God and people, Jesus says those people are blessed. And just for the record, what I want to show you on the screen is not a picture of someone that you and I would consider blessed, but Jesus said that they are. This is a person whose hands are sticking through prison bars holding a Bible. You and I would never in our foggiest imagination look at a Christian who's been imprisoned because they're a Christian and say they're blessed. But Jesus does. Jesus says that brother, that sister, whose faith has made such a dynamic impact in a resistant time, who's been so identified with Christ and His cause that the only thing that the people who are resistant to God can think to do is put them in jail. That person is blessed. Now, you have to understand that person has been considered, according to Scripture, worthy. Remember when the disciples were captured and beaten and released and they went away somehow, I don't even understand this, somehow after being beaten, they went away rejoicing because they were excited because they had been counted worthy to suffer for Christ. That's a blessing that we in America don't know anything about. But I want you to know the day's coming when your Christianity is going to be partly defined by the resistance that you endure based on your faithfulness to God. That day will come. It might not come in all of our lifetimes, but it will come in some of our lifetimes in this room. It's coming. And Jesus says, when it comes, if you stand, you are blessed. That's a blessing. So let me say it this way, if you're writing these thoughts down. The most blessed person in the room is the one who realizes their need for God the most. The most blessed person sitting in this room today is the one who realizes their need for God the most. Do you think the Christian who's been incarcerated because they won't give up their Christianity is aware of their need for God? Yes. Desperately aware. Here's the third one. You are blessed when you endure trials. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, let's just be honest for a minute. It's hard to feel blessed when you're struggling and enduring. Right? When you're battling, when you're suffering, when you're struggling, when you're looking for a job, when you're suffering relational wounds. You may be dealing with the wounds from a terrible childhood when you were raised in chaotic and painful circumstances. When you're dealing with life's complications, it's hard to feel blessed. It's, it's very hard to feel blessed, but I want to I bring this part of the gospel to your heart and mind today. 
We don't recognize any of those struggles as a blessing. None of those struggles are blessings. That's not what we understand. Suffering's not a blessing. Struggling's not a blessing. Being wounded is not a blessing. Being attacked or broke is not a blessing. But listen, but we do serve a God who blesses us, according to Romans 8, 28, by making all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Those sufferings aren't blessings, but God can bless even in them. He can strengthen and redeem even the bad things. So if you're going through a trial this morning, I want to encourage you. I don't know anyone who's quit who's better off. And neither do you. I know what it feels like to want to quit. I know what it feels like to want to give up. I know what it feels like to think you can't possibly pick one foot up and put it in front of the other one one more time. I know what it feels like, but I want to tell you something this morning. Keep persevering. If you want to be blessed, don't give up. Because if you keep going, you are blessed. If you don't give up, the Bible says you are blessed. Keep persevering and know this, you are not alone. You are not fighting alone. You are not by yourself. You have the body of Jesus. You have the Word of God. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit who will give you the strength to keep going when you don't have any strength left by yourself. He is there and He's a present help in time of trouble. It's okay to rest. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to lay down. It's okay to stop. It's okay to not have nothing left, but it's not okay to quit. It's not okay to quit. Everybody who quits is worse off. I want you to know this morning that you are blessed. Those of you who are struggling, those of you who are suffering, those of you who are persevering, those of you who are going through some hard times, and if you're honest with me in your mind right now, you say, I don't even know what I'm going to do next. I don't know what my next step is. I don't know where to go. I'm living a day at a time. I want to speak a word directly to your heart this morning. I want to encourage you, and I want you to know you are blessed because you haven't quit yet. And you will continue to be blessed as you continue to depend on the power of the Spirit. And I want to speak a blessing over your life today. Number 6, 24 through 26. I want to speak this scriptural blessing over your life. Those who are struggling and searching and tired and weary, I want to speak this blessing over your life directly from the Word of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. And when you leave this house today, I want you to know you have been blessed. And you are blessed. Now here's the fourth one. You are blessed when you obey God. You are blessed when you obey God. Deuteronomy 7.13 says, He will love you and bless you and increase your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain, new wine and oil, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flock, and the land that He swore to your forefathers to give you. If you read the context the greater context of Deuteronomy 7, the surrounding verses, you'll understand that these promises were based upon the people's obedience to God. They were, in other words, conditional. God's just not going to bless everybody on earth the same way. He's going to say, if you follow me, 
If you obey me, if you put me first, if you surrender to me, this is what I will do. Now, you can read the entire Old Testament, and here's what you're going to find. When Israel got rid of all the idols, when they got rid of all the false gods, when they got rid of all the apathy, when they put God first, they would come up underneath the blessings of God. They were always better off. Their crops were better. They prospered. They flourished. They were healthier. They were never defeated by foreign nations. Earlier in this series, we looked in 1 Kings 17 and 18 how God told Elijah to tell them to not let it rain. And God sent a famine and he wrecked their economy because they turned their back on him. And then as they began to turn back to him, God sent the rain again. Now, now, when we turn our back on God, all the opposite stuff obviously happens. Now, you might be thinking this morning, I thought you said you can't earn God's blessing. Right. You can't earn God's blessing, but you can agree with it. And here's how you come into agreement with it. Walk in obedience to God. You can't earn it. You can't, you can't be a good little boy or girl and manipulate God by the rules you follow in order to get stuff out of God. Uh, the, the Christian... Uh, resources today are rife with formulas on how to get something out of God. You're not going to get nothing out of God. But God has blessed a life. And that life is a life lived in obedience and surrender to Him. He has blessed that life. And I'm telling you, as you live an obedient life to God, you will have a more blessed life than you would had you didn't. Does it mean you're, you're immune to struggle and suffering? No. Does it mean that you're never going to encounter anything negative or any pain or have questions that you don't have the answer to? No, it doesn't mean any of that. But let's think about the counter to it for a minute. Disobedience to God's costly. Well, you say you can't, earn, you can't earn this from God. Yeah, but look, disobedience is costly. Disobedience to God causes divorce and separation. Addictions cost a lot. Bondages cost a lot. Bitterness cost a lot. Unforgiveness cost a lot. Prejudice and pride cost a lot. All those disobedient things are costly. But obedience to God is where I'm blessed. Now here's the last one. And I'm going to ask our worship team to come. You are blessed when you tithe. You are blessed when you tithe. Malachi 3.10 says, I don't know if you've ever seen the word blessing in this verse before. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out what? And pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I want to uh, uh, share with you a couple of testimonies from people in our church. And their, and their testimony with tithing. What is tithing, if you're not familiar? Bring the first 10%, God says, bring the first 10% of everything you have, of all your income, and give it to God first as a matter of priority. God, I'm going to put you first, and I'm going to bring this in faith, believing. I give this to you, and, and, and you're going to take care of my needs. Listen to this testimony. A couple in our church wrote, as our daughter was nearing high school graduation, we had worries about how we were going to pay for college tuition, watch this, and still tithe. Anybody ever live there? <laughs> yes, of course. God, how am I going to do this but do what you told me? How am I going to do both? You can feel the tension. We'd recently made a commitment to tithe, but we're struggling with the future. 
She had applied to several schools, had a good ACT score and a high GPA, but did not qualify for a scholarship. I'm giving you the short of the story. As the couple prayed, they continued to tie. They said, you know what? We made this commitment. It's the right commitment. It's the thing God asked us to do. We're going to do it anyway. They continued to tithe, and they put the issue in God's hands. A few days later, they received a letter from a university, listen to this, offering their daughter a full four-year scholarship that she did not completely qualify for, but the school wanted to grant it to her anyway and was honest about that to the family. That's a blessing. You try to put a kid through college, that's a blessing. Is God a blessing machine that I put in something and I get out what I want? No. No. God reserves the right to bless you where He wants to bless you. I can't dictate the blessing. Because He's in control. That's the whole point of tithing. He's in control. I'm giving up control. Let me read you this one. And and the couple ended with this. God truly knows what you need when you pray. Here's the second one. This one came last week. We've been struggling with our finances for a while now. We got to a place where we didn't see any way to make our bills other than stop paying our tithes. So you see the tension again? What am I going to do? Am I going to go this way or that way? So they stopped paying their tithes. This couple says, so we stopped. Instead of getting better, our situation got worse. We ultimately came to a place where we could clearly hear God say that it was time to do things His way again. We were fearful because our situation was already looking desperate and in our eyes was about to get worse. Because of health issues, we're homeschooling our kids and my wife's taking an extra day off to do that. We're already not making our budget. We're looking at a decrease in pay due to her reducing hours. And now we're adding to our expenses by paying tithes. But we knew it was right. Listen to this. I can't tell you the joy in my heart paying tithes for the first time in so long. That next week, my wife had a meeting with her boss about her new schedule. In other words, we're going to take one day a week off to homeschool. Her boss decided not to decrease her pay, even with the reduced hours, and gave her a $500 bonus, the exact amount to the penny we were short in our budget that month. The best part is the relief that comes with releasing it to God and giving Him complete control in all areas of our life, the stress has gone down and we've lived more at peace. You tithe, you're blessed. Now look, as I've said this whole series, I don't want something from you, I want something for you. So today in the foyer, one of our new life groups you'll find is a group called Financial Peace. Financial peace is a financial uh, process that some folks at our church who've been trained to do it can take you through this fall, help you get out of debt, help you get more financially healthy. I I, I believe, um, I'm trying to remember the number, I don't remember the number. We ran this group, we ran a different financial peace group in the spring. And I think the average debt in the room was $44,000. Non-mortgage debt was $44,000 per family. And and if I'm, I, I, forgive me if I'm misquoted, I think the number was we paid uh, 
$13,000, I think $85,000 in debt down in those 13 months. And so look, we want to help. If you need that group, that group is here for you. You can sign up for it today in the foyer when we leave. Also, we have Crown Financial that is offered in Spanish. And so for those of you who may need uh, that same kind of format, just offered in Spanish, we're offering both of those groups this fall. So I would encourage you to get into that if you need to. Now, people who don't put God first in their finances never really live a blessed life. It doesn't matter how much they own. There are billionaires who don't put God first in their life, but they don't really live a blessed life because they can't advance in the deeper things of God because they haven't passed the earlier test. What is the earlier test? Look at what Luke 16 11 says. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? In other words, if God says, if I can't trust you with the worldly things, the tangible things that are right here in your hand, how am I going to be able to trust you with the more valuable, eternal things that are here in your soul? How am I going to be able to do that? And so, and so God, you won't find a person who doesn't put God first in their finances that ever really grows up in Jesus, ever really matures, ever really understands what the Beatitudes mean ever really goes to that depth level. Now, as I've said, this is only five of the 7,000 times blessing is mentioned in Scripture. There's 6,995 6, other times. I thought I was about to post on Facebook there for a minute. So here's the question I've got this morning. The question we started with was, is it right to call material things a blessing? I don't even think that question matters. I don't think the question is what. I think the question is why. Why are you blessed and why am I blessed? It's not because God loves me more than anybody else or loves you more than anybody else. Not because I'm a better Christian than anybody else or you're a better Christian than anybody else. Why did God bless you? 7,000 different times in Scripture we learn about the blessing. Why are we blessed? You know, one of the most powerful things that happens in our walk with God as we go deep with God is He changes our definition of what blessing means. Early in our Christian walk, we define blessing is when I got to the mall, the first parking spot was open. I got to be first in line. I got my dream house. That's how we tend to define it. I got this, I got that. My dreams, my plans, my family, my life, my career, my accomplishment. And those things tend to be material. As we grow in Christ, our definitions have more to do with other people and less to do with us. They have more to do with what God has, has, wants to do through our life and in our life. And it has, it has let me say it this way. Living ble a blessed life is more about what came through you than what came to you. The greatest question this morning is... Why? Genesis 12, 2 tells us. God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. How do we, how do we understand that? Blessed to be a blessing. So I want you to look around the room this morning. Who? I'm looking in the balcony. I'm looking in the back corner. I'm looking in the middle. Looking in the front and the back. How many blessings are in this room? Thousands. Thousands.
maybe hundreds of thousands. How many blessings are in this room? Do you think that God put this church in the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama in 2015 and blessed it so that we might shut the doors and keep the blessing to ourselves? Or do you think He blessed you so that you'd be a blessing? There's a purpose. Not what, but why. So here's what I want you to do. I want to ask you to take your little card and stand with me. This morning as we close this series and we finish this, the blessed life, would you just take the card and put it in your hand today? I'm going to say this to you. God has blessed you so that you might be a blessing. In two weeks, we have a picnic. It is not an event. It is not a hoedown. It is not a shenanigan. It is not a... It, it, it might look that way. It's going to be fun. We're going to have games. We're going to goof off. We're going to eat. We're going to do all that stuff. But let me tell you what it's really about. It's about being a blessing to those who don't know Christ and those who are unconnected from the body of Jesus. Like that is it. And so I want to ask you as you take that little card in your hands, if you just close your eyes for a minute and be still just for a minute, I want to ask you to pray with me. And we're going to first off thank God that He's blessed us. And then we're going to ask Him to use us. That this county, it, it kills me that this is the most unchurched county in our state. It kills me. It's wrong. It, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't be. We've got to feel God's heart on it. Would you just pray with me this morning and would you thank God for the blessings on your life? Lord, today, I thank you. Come on with your own words. I thank you for the blessings on my life. I thank you for the help and the support and the goodness and the power of your presence. And I thank you for this church. I thank you for the family of God. I thank you for the relationships you've given me in Jesus. I thank you for all that you've done in my heart, and my family, and my marriage, and my kids, and my life. Lord, I thank you for opportunities to serve you. I thank you for deeper joy in you. I thank you for growing in you. I thank you for renewal. God, I thank you. Come on and thank him. God, I thank you this morning. You have blessed me. Lord, I now ask Him, I ask You to use me to be a blessing. I don't want to hold every blessing for myself. Neither do I believe You intended me to. I want to be a blessing. So God, use me in the next two weeks as we lead up to this moment. Use me as a blessing. Bring people to my mind. Open doors of conversation. Put people on my heart that I can pray for. God, I pray you would bless this city. Bless this county. May there be a renewal. May there be a revival. May there be a breakthrough. Come to this place. We praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. Hey, God bless you. On your way out, if you don't have a life group, I'd love for you to stop and just talk to some of our folks. Hug somebody before you go. Thanks for being here today.